Hello, everyone. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 15 of Fed Talks. I am Jimmy Chrisman, the host of the podcast. Each week, I bring you stories and interviews from experienced K-12 theater teachers, current theater education majors, and professors of theater education that will warm your heart, renew your faith in teaching, and provide resources to better your practice in your theater classroom. Thank you so much for checking out our 15th episode of our second season of the podcast. I'm excited to bring this interview to you. It is one of my very own students at ISU who is about to embark on his student teaching semester right after the holidays. So Wes Skim came into the theater program at Illinois State, the theater ed program, and the exact same year I did. Um, so it's really kind of special and fun to see the students who came in with me and, and are, are pretty much my babies coming out of the program right about now. Very proud of all of my majors, uh, including those who Dr. Cindy Brown had before me. Um, but uh, this is my uh, conversation with Wes, who we have... Um, tried and tried and tried to to get together to record this interview for quite some time but i do hope you enjoy our conversation he has a lot to offer and um, really great energy so i hope you enjoy my conversation with wes skim all right i have with me today wes skim uh, he is one of my seniors at ISU, and uh, he is about to enter his student teaching in a few weeks, and uh, I am excited to see what he has to do with that and what he's going to do with that. Uh, but Wes, introduce yourself to us. Tell us a little bit about um, kind of your journey to where you are now. Um, I know it's a long journey, <laughs> it's a long uh, so if you need to give us some the highlights of it, that's fine. Just the the... Spark Notes version. Yeah. I'll, I'll try my best. Um, so I'm Wes Skim. I am obviously a theater education major at Illinois State University. Um, yes, it's been a long road coming here. Um, I graduated high school in 2014, and I will be graduating in 2020. So that's a little after some of my uh, colleagues. <laughs> what super their senior. Pat's looking at? Yeah, I'm. I'm a super senior, and you know what? I'm not. I'm not upset about it. <laughs> I think I think the time has been nice. Um, but I, I've I've gone to multiple colleges, and I know you know this, but I started at um, University of Illinois Springfield as a poli sci major, which uh, I know is a, a big difference. Uh, I always wanted to actually be a music teacher when I was in high school, so I don't know why I went from music teaching to poli science. And then I went to communication, and then I switched to theater because they were going to start a uh, theater uh, degree there around my junior year if I would have stayed. Uh, Missy was telling me about that. And so I was going to be like one of the first people to graduate from the school with a theater degree, and then I transferred. <laughs> so she wasn't super happy about that when I told her. Um, but it it just happened. I just wasn't happy there. It wasn't really a place that I felt was for me. It was the only college I applied for, so I guess it's on me, but I also didn't really know what I was doing when I was applying for colleges. Uh, first gen grad, um, not grad student, but undergrad. And so I went to Columbia because I was like, I want to be an actor and I want to be a famous actor. <laughs> and Columbia is an acting, well, not just acting school, but it's a fine arts school. Um, and they have this big theater program that I could do all sorts of things with and I went there and my first semester I had a class with George Lopez's daughter and I was like wow this is where the the all the big people go and 
Um, I just, I didn't like that either. <laughs> it wasn't, I feel like their theater program just felt kind of like everyone was like, oh, I'm super good at theater. And everyone was always like, I played all the leads in my high school shows. And I was like, great, great for you. So did everyone else in this classroom. Uh, so thank you very much for your experience, but learn to be humble. <laughs> and so that was a lot of my experience with Columbia. I ended up changing majors again uh, to radio. Um, I was a voiceover minor, so I was already taking some radio classes. Um, and I just really enjoy voice acting. Voice acting is what I really want to do um, in my free time. Um, if I could be a voice actor, that'd be awesome. But as a radio major, I was still taking those voiceover classes. And I actually really liked the radio program there. Um, there was a time where I really thought that that was going to be what I was going to do. Uh, but Chicago College is expensive. So I transferred again to community college back home. For a couple months, I was taking online classes, just some gen eds as I decided what I wanted to do, and I worked full time. Um, and then I ended up dropping out. I, I was a college dropout for a little bit because I just I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't ready for where I was or what I wanted to do. I wanted to work some, get some real world career experience, and I thought I was just going to work for the rest of my life without a degree. Um, not that that's a bad thing. I mean, my parents did it. Uh, their parents did it. So, I mean, it just didn't seem like that bad of a thing. Um, but after working full time, my schedule started to clear up as I moved to a more, um, I don't want to say permanent job, because obviously it wasn't permanent. I'm not in it anymore, but a more stable <laughs> job um, where I was working full time and my nights cleared up. And I had done a production at the community theater in Antioch, um, Shrek the Musical, uh, while I was going to Columbia, since I was commuting. And I was like, you know what? I have time again. I should go back and do some stuff there. And so I did. I went back and did some community theater with PM&L Theater in Antioch. And I had a great time. I did three shows in a row. Uh, Man of La Mancha was the first one I did with them. And I love that show now. That's, it introduced me to that show. And that's one of my favorites now. It's just such a fun experience, even though I was just an ensemble member. And then I went on to play the sheriff in To Kill a Mockingbird. And then uh, the lead in Young Frankenstein, I was Frankenstein. Um, and that it was just a super fun experience. And just through those experiences, I realized like theater was definitely what I wanted to be doing. And theater was definitely the place that I felt at home. And I had always wanted to be a teacher. And so I was like, well, why not teach theater? And I knew Illinois State had a theater education program. I had actually applied to Illinois State the same time I applied at Columbia um, to be a theater educator. And I got accepted in Columbia and went there instead. Um, so it, it was easy to fill out another application because I already <laughs> had an account. Um, so I just filled out another application, was accepted again into the theater education program, and here I am. Uh, three years of schooling at Illinois State University. I completed, I'm almost complete with the um, theater education program, and then I also did communication education classes while they still had the major here, um, so I can do my English endorsement. And that's kind of the plan right now. Uh, I'll be student teaching next semester at, am I, am I allowed you to say, say that? Okay. <laughs> At Glenbard West High School, that's in Glen Ellen. Um, 
so I'm really excited for that uh, just to be able to go out there and actually have an experience um, because we do have a lot of clinical experiences in the track but I just I I'm ready to get in the classroom every day and be able to build that report with my students and be able to know them better and create those relationships because I feel like that's so inducive to what we do Is that, did I use that word right inducive <laughs> I'm trying to sound smart we'll go with that I'll just say it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> inducive to what we do. Um, it just, it helps so much. And I feel like I haven't been able to do that with a lot of the clinicals here. So that's what I'm really excited for. I'm, I'm just excited to go student teach and then be a theater teacher. And that's a little bit about me. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, on your on your journey here, um, you, you, talk, you mentioned Missy at um, U of I Springfield. Is that yes. right? Okay. I, I confuse all the letters, um, but so that makes you and I, I guess, like theater brothers almost. Because <laughs> I had Missy Thibodeau Thompson for my acting one professor in my undergrad many years ago, um, and so Wes had Missy at U of I Springfield. Yeah, um, did you have <laughs> she, in class or for just the production? She directed me in Brighton Beach Memoirs, gotcha. um, which was a super fun experience. Um, that was my first time really being in a staged play uh, outside of high school. And high school, I mean, it, it, it it's a different experience, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, being in college, it's just there's so much more to it. And it, it was just such a fun experience to be able to do that, especially with a small cast like that. And Missy was a great director, and that's really what got me into the theater program there was just being cast in that show. Uh, and I went on to help her husband in um, uh, Streetcar Named Desire. Uh, and Tom Miller at U of I Urbana-Champaign was in that show too, so I got to meet him. And um, yeah, there's just so much networking and connections. and yeah. It's just a small world. It you know? really <laughs> is. It really is. Um, so you, in your in your journey to where we are now, you, I, I, I can only speak for your your extracurricular involvement here at ISU, Um, but you've done a, you've done a lot. Um, What has been some of your favorite experiences with that? And how, how do you think those have contributed to your growth as a theater educator? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I'm very involved at ISU. I've, I've always been a very involved person in high school. I was in so many clubs and activities that I would forget to go to some each week just because there were so many conflicts and so many things I was doing between choir and theater and um, the the library club and the civic club and all that. Um, and so going into college, I was just like, I need to be doing things all the time. I can't just sit at home. It's not a thing I can do. So I, I joined every theater RSO that there is, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, I am in uh, Spotlight ISU, which is the marketing program. Uh, I had a grad student actually approach me and ask me to join that. He, he was a grad student for, mm-hmm. he was the assistant for one of my classes I was taking. And he was talking about it, and I was like, yeah, sure, that sounds fun. And so I showed up to a meeting, and I've been in it since. Um, that's been a really fun experience because it's really helped me learn in the marketing side of a theater program um, and how to really just find events and things that can help market the students so we plan a lot of events that students can come and learn how to make resumes 
They can learn how to brand themselves. Uh, they learn about internship opportunities. So there's just a lot to it that I think will be very helpful once I'm teaching in the high school because that's what I'll be doing is marketing the theater mm -hmm. program and helping the students brand themselves and learn how to build their resume and be professional actors and market themselves. Um, so I, th I think that that's a really helpful experience. I I'm basically just going in order of when they meet on Friday. <laughs> so Spotlight was the first one. After Spotlight, I go directly to the Free Stage meeting. I I'm just a member of Free Stage, but I've uh, done shows through them. Mm -hmm. Free Stage is the student production company on campus. Uh, I guess that's what you could call it. And they just they put on a festival every semester of shows that students want to produce. And I produced two shows last semester. This was my first time um, directing through Free Stage. I directed A Green River, which is still in workshop, but it was something that I saw at uh, the College Theater Fest Festival, uh, KCACTF. And I really enjoyed it. I really wanted to do it. So I reached out to the playwright and I was like, hey, can I do this? And he said, yes. So that's what happened. And um, that was just being able to finally direct like a full play was super fun. That was my first time directing, and it I made sure it was an educational experience. All my crew, it was basically their first time doing their jobs. Uh, it was Cody's first time doing dramaturg work. It was Alan's first time stage managing. It was Jack's first time light designing. It was uh, my roommate Joe's first time uh, running soundboard. It was my friend Matt's first time designing sound. Uh, it was my friend Danny's first time being in a straight play. Um, and so that was just, it, I, I made sure that there was a lot of education opportunities there. Um, I wanted people to learn from it. I didn't want it to be like this, it has to be a good show, it has to be super great. And it, and it was, it did end up being a really good show, I feel. I felt really good about it, even though I was in it. And that, that usually brings down mm -hmm. the, the acting level. But um, I, I was in it and I was in it with them and we were all learning. It was just a learning process all around. And I really enjoyed that. And so that's just a really good example of what I'll be going into in the classroom is just learning together as a group. Like, hey, I don't know much about directing. Well, when that happened, I, I didn't know a bunch about directing, but we're all here together and we're going to put this show on. So I need you to help me out and I'll help you out and we're going to get through this. And it was just a really fun experience to be able to put on a show um, for the first time um, in that lens. I've also done a couple of my live podcasts through Free Stage, and that, those have been really fun experiences. We're going to get to your podcast in a little bit. Okay, we'll talk yeah. about it later. <laughs> Shh, put a pin in it. Um, next up on Fridays is iStop. Mm -hmm. iStop meets. Uh, iStop is the Illinois State Theater Outreach Program. That's something that I wasn't able to be in for the longest time because I was working at the campus radio station mm -hmm. for the, the last two years. Um, so when I quit the station... I was able to finally be an iStop, which was something I really wanted to do because I know they work a lot with Theater for Social Change. And after taking Theater for Social Change my second semester here with you, it was just eye-opening. It was really cool to see all the different things that theater can do without having to be just the show. Just everyone sits down in a theater, watches a show, leaves. It, it, there's just so much more to it. And I like the versatility of it. So through the, the Illinois State Theater Outreach Program, we create events for the community and for the students here on campus that help uh, engage so social activism 
along with the theater lens. And that's just a really cool thing. I, I really want to do that with my theater program in the future is to do theater for social change and give them these opportunities to say, hey, here are other ways that you can take theater and apply it to all these aspects of life. You can apply it to activism. You can apply it to politics, though many people wish we didn't. There's like so much to do with it and it makes it so much more marketable and so much more interesting to students who might not be mm-hmm. theater students. We had a couple non-theater students right. in our Theater for Social Change class, and I really feel like they took a lot out of the experience. And so I want that so that I can engage the students in things that they're interested in in the classroom. And that's really what I'm learning through iStop is different ways of doing that, different causes to be um, advocating for and to be helping students find theater pieces for. Um, there's just so much to that RSO. I'm actually on the board for that one, which is really fun. I'm able to help see the planning process of it as well, which is really helping me learn for when I'm going to have a leadership position in the classroom. Um, other RSOs that I'm involved in that don't meet on Fridays now, um, <laughs> I'm in an acapella group on campus, yep. um, on and off. <laughs> I I joined that, that was like the first thing that I joined here at ISU because, like I said, I wanted to do music education for the longest time in high school, and choir was the biggest part of my high school career. Um, So I I needed that. Mm -hmm. Um, Atbon, On the Brink of Normal is the name of the group, so shortened to Atbon. It kind of became sort of like an outlet for me. Uh, Besides classroom, I would be able to go to Atbon and just sing do music stuff, do things that sort of calm me down and get me out of the headspace of stress for classes. Um, and so that's really what Opon has been all three years for me. And I've met a lot of cool friends, a lot of cool people through it that I really do see myself talking to outside of college and still uh, keeping in touch with, which is awesome. It, it was a really fun experience. I have held leadership positions with them, so I've, I've learned more about social media presence and being able to do that, which I can apply towards the theater program that I have in the school. Um, I've learned more about team building and just being an ensemble. Uh, For the longest time, I was the only bass in the group that could really sing low. Uh, So there were a lot of times that that was all I did in the songs. I didn't get to audition for a lot of solos because if I did, we wouldn't have someone singing Mm. bass. And so it's just really like, helped humble me and helped me like back off and be like okay so I can still be important and helpful through these other ways um and that's that's really a lot of lessons that I learned from that even with like there have been times where I've had to leave the group because of other things that I was involved in and uh, other events that were happening and every time I, I come back and they accept me with open arms and it's just been super great to just have that group and that, that's something that I want to apply to my teaching is just being able to be open and accepting of those students who have those experiences and who need that place to be mm-hmm. where they can be in that headspace where there's positivity and they're doing something that they enjoy. Um, well, I think what you yeah. mentioned something that was really, I think, all theater teachers need to keep in mind um, is that the Atban was very important to you because it was something outside of this building um, that fed another interest of yours. Uh, that 
arts are all related and, and yes yeah. but but the music was something that was was a, a part of your experience and things that you enjoy um and and that was not part of this building like you yes. were able to get out of this building you were able to meet with people who you don't see on an everyday basis mm-hmm. um you're in every single class with and you go to lunch with and um you sit in the our coffee shop downstairs together with all the time so i think it's important that we we as theater teachers have a life outside of our building yeah and have a group of people outside of our work friends as well um because i think it's important to have that perspective of what's going on outside of our building too um, because our lives should not be confined to that building yeah we can't just be anchored to one spot for the rest of our lives Mm -hmm. um that's not conducive (laughs) you will rust and drown that's what will happen Mm -hmm. and um i have really enjoyed those parts of past podcast episodes of yours that i've listened to where the teachers are sharing just how they deal with the burnout of just being a theater teacher all the time and that you do need an outlet you need to find something that's an outlet for you sometimes it is just theater somewhere else Mm -hmm. and that's perfectly okay as long as you're getting out of that that spot that you sit in so much you don't want to create that little trench mm-hmm. of following the same path every day well looking looking over your your experiences in college so far um what uh, you talk about multiples if you want but what's what's an experience that you've had that really stood out to you um and has impacted you the greatest impacted me the greatest oh boy i've had so many experiences in college it's just you you, you really got to think about that one <laughs> um i know i keep using this one it's it's not a throwaway i promise but godspell has to be one of my my favorite experiences uh of college and of isu just because it it really got me out of my normal acting headspace my my normal acting headspace was okay, I have my lines memorized. I go out there and I play this old man or whatever I'm playing. That's it. Like, I don't have to do too much for preparing. I I bring a little bit of myself into the performance and the character, and I embody the character. Once I'm off stage, it's done. But with Godspell, it really taught me the importance of playing and how much that means to the show. And and it really... it was the weirdest part I ever played, even though I wasn't like <laughs> being super weird. But it, it was just like, it was weird to be up there. A, I was I was the only one with facial hair. I want to say in the in the cast, <laughs> and I had this full beard, and I I'm wearing a short sleeve yellow bright yellow T-shirt. These shorts that are way too big for me. Suspenders, <laughs> sunglasses, a little uh, headband with poofs on it and I, I just look ridiculous and these knee-high socks like it, it was just <laughs> I, I looked ridiculous and I was able to act ridiculous and it it was just a new experience for me on the stage just being able to just play just be up there and be a kid again just play and it just through the acting classes here at ISU that's something that they keep trying to put back in your brain is just how do we play again because that's so important mm-hmm. as an actor and even as a theater teacher, you're going to be dealing with students who are, are going to want to play. And that's something you need to know how to do. 
And that's why people like uh, Robin Williams and Weird Al and other people that I, I really enjoy and look up to, it, it's because they just, they still have that ability to play and just explore things that they have this exploration they're they're funny but they can also be serious at times and it's just the versatility of it is so great and that's something that i i feel like i really got out of godspell was just how to be versatile from the sad moments of godspell where everyone in the audience is crying um after we sang beautiful city to the times where we're just dancing around you are the light of the world and it's literally we're just having a dance party on stage it's there are so many levels to how you play those emotions and i think godspell really got that to me which is crazy because i almost wasn't in it oh you i remember that conversation with you very very clearly um i i, I directed you in godspell um and i think as I think back on that after the auditions, I think that's the, um, I think the sternest I've ever been with you in a conversation. <laughs> it, it, uh, was, it was. Why don't you tell 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 us what you you came to me and said, Wes, after the uh, audition? <laughs> after I, I think I'd cast you already too, correct? Or no, you had not yet. Was it a callback? We had uh, we had auditions okay. and then we had callbacks, and at callbacks, I, <laughs> I I guess I just had a little bit of. Uh, doubt in my mind a little about my uh, my just a little uh doubt in my mind about my ability as an actor because i again i had never played a role like that where you had to be goofy and i wasn't familiar with the script at all and so from the scenes that we were doing and what everyone was doing callbacks i was like what is this show <laughs> i was like what is happening is this a joke is is what are we on like drugs the entire time what is happening i had no idea and so that's one factor is that the script kind of scared me from those callback sheets but at the same time just seeing everyone else's skill level through the callbacks everyone else was like comfortable with it and playing with it and i was like wow they're all really great i'm not and so i emailed jimmy and i said uh <laughs> I think I always start my, my emails to Jimmy, just Jimmy, comma. Um, so it was Jimmy, comma. I appreciate the opportunity to audition and participate in the callbacks for your show. However, I would like to take my hat out of the ring for any sort of casting in the show, as I do not feel that I will have the time for it or the ability level to play any of the roles in this show. Uh, thank you so much again for your consideration, and I wish you luck with your cast. And, and what was my like, response? Five <laughs> minutes later, like it, it was super fast response. <laughs> Jimmy said, "I appreciate your email. Do you have time to come to my office and talk to me?" And I was like, "Yeah, I can be there in fifteen minutes because I was at my apartment." And I walked to Jimmy's office, and he sat me down. I remember this vividly. I do too. He sat me down, and he was like. Uh, can I have the space to say what I need to say right now? And I said, yes. Like, it's your office, sure. <laughs> and he was like, you don't get to make that decision. <laughs> you don't get to make that decision. I think this show will be good for you. I think you'll learn a lot from it, and I think that you'd do fantastic in this show. And we had a little conversation, and the rest is history. <laughs> I, I, I also think I said that... Um, I think... I, 
the show would be good for you, but I think I said um, you would be good for the show. And that my I, I get to decide what that ensemble was and yeah. that I see the big picture of what that ensemble will look like. Um, and I think that's where that, um, I remember that line very clearly as well, that you don't get to decide that for me. Um, so yeah. Um, and you, I, I think at that moment you reluctantly said, okay, I'll stay I'm in. Like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but you ended up being cast and uh, I, you were, uh, I think, an integral part of that ensemble. And I think each of those players in that show were an integral part of it. And I think minus one of those personalities and it would have been a very different show. Yeah, definitely. I yeah. think the chemistry on stage was really what made the experience mm -hmm. for me. And even off stage, um, there were a lot of times that I would hang out with a lot of cast members outside of rehearsals and it was just a fun experience. And I, I made a lot of friends that I um, can definitely talk to a lot. A lot of people that I didn't know because that was my first time being in a show at ISU and I'm none of not none but most of the theater students especially acting had no idea who I was they didn't know me because I while I was in a few classes I was in like acting and fundamentals and uh, theater ed and that's about it I think I had some other classes I had my communication education class and something else but I wasn't in the building a lot mm -hmm. and I wasn't in any of their RSOs because I didn't really know about them and I didn't know anyone there and as a transfer student, it's always hard to make new friends and meet people in your major and just meet people in general. And so I feel like it's very important to be involved in things like that. And so when I auditioned for the show and got the part, that was my first time really getting to know more acting students and being present in the building. And I feel like it really helped uh, me feel at home here at ISU. Because while I did after my first year, um, Godspell is what really made me feel like, okay, the SOTD is a place that I am comfortable with and I really enjoy being a part of. Um, and then I delved into basically everything I could delve into at the <laughs> SOTD and did my best to be involved and um, just help out where I could. And that's, that's really just the importance of being in a good show and a good show experience. Um, it, it's just, it's really really great <laughs> I don't know how else to say well, what um what from that experience are you taking with you as you begin working with students next semester and then um, hopefully after that with your own program I think the best thing about the rehearsal process and experience was um being able to just play and explore on the stage that it was it felt like a safe space every time we went in there that I could do anything and there were plenty of times that I told jokes that totally flopped and that I felt super embarrassed after but I felt good and comfortable still even after that to be able to try other things mm -hmm. and that's something that I want to have in my rehearsal process is to be able to make sure that students are comfortable exploring and sharing um, I think that's very important to creating characters and being able to make choices on stage um, a lot of times the actors will just look at what's in the pages and be like, that's what I have to do. But th what most people who are new to scripts don't know is that's just what the stage manager wrote when they first produced it. There's nothing in there is solid except for the lines. Mm -hmm. um, and it's up to you as an actor to figure out what is the meaning of these lines? What can I do to enforce this for the audience? 
and what can I do to really just be this character? And it'll change every time, and that's okay. And it'll change between dress rehearsals. It could, it very well could, but it's important to have that space that you can try those things so that you can create a character that is compelling and that is yourself and something that you created. Mm -hmm. I think um, as a director, I am, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because you've, you've worked with me, but I, I, I think it's essential for me to create that space um, where you get to play, where you get to create with me um, and that I'm not, and, and this, uh, this style works for some people. It just doesn't work for me. Uh, the, the dictatorial style where yeah. you're, I'm micro directing. Um, I, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think it puts the ownership of the show back in the hands of the people who are going to be doing it. Um, and it, it gives you the license as an artist, as an actor, to be able to create alongside me. Um, I like to, I, I, I think I told you all then that blocking is my least favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> um, creating those traffic patterns is really what I see blocking as. And some people will disagree with me on that. But um, once you have that frame to play within, then you get to play. That may change the blocking. That may adjust the frame on this side a little bit. Yeah, um, But I, I like to have that collaborative experience um, and let you all do your job as actors and, and, and find your your meaning in it within the frame that I help you create. Yeah, and I think that definitely showed through the process. And I think that's really important to educational theater in that the students are able to make choices and able to learn from those decisions. Um, I'm in high school. I, I was always told where to go, where to stand, what to do, and what to say, and and that's what I thought theater was. And it's I didn't dislike it when that was happening. Um, sure, the process just felt kind of like, uh, like not super great. But it wasn't that I hated theater because of that. It was just all I knew. And then when I go to community theater, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, depending on which director you had. And then there were parts where you just had so much freedom, you didn't know what to do with it when you were first given that. So I think it's important to start from the get-go, giving them that freedom so that they can explore throughout the process rather than halfway through the process, like, okay, what do you want to do for this scene? That's They're going to mm-hmm. tell you, I don't know, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. And it's important that they know that they can explore and try those things. And I think that definitely showed through the process of Godspell. Well, let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about your podcast because um, we have that in common as well. Um, I've been on your show a couple of times. Um, I was last night. Yeah. Um, you, you fed me baby food, literally, <laughs> on the stage. Um, so, I didn't feed it to you. Uh, well, I fed myself. But, uh, <laughs> it, I blame you. Um so what? Uh, talk to me about your podcast and kind of the origins of that and what you do with that and where we can find your podcast. Yeah. Um, so Just Skimming the Surface is the name of my podcast. Because Which is my the last cleverest name. of names in the world. <laughs> my last name is Skim. So um, I had wanted to make a, a podcast for a while after attending Columbia um, and being in the radio program. I, I learned a lot more about voiceover work and narration and podcast work 
And I was like, that sounds really fun. I want to do that. And I had a bunch of friends at Columbia who had their own podcasts. Uh, so I, I was like, well, I have to make one now. Everyone else has one. <laughs> and um, when I left Columbia, I was working full time and everything. And I was listening to more podcasts. And I was, it, it, it was just a different space for me because I was going to a community theater. I was just taking classes online. And I was already thinking about dropping out of that because I was like, this isn't what I want to do. And I was working full time. I was living on my own. I This was my first time moving out of my parents' house, and it was just crazy. I had my own apartment with some friends, and life was just, like, in this really weird state for me. And um, in 2016, uh, I had, at the right at the beginning of the year, I had lost uh, my grandmother on my mother's side. And that was my first time dealing with death close to the family. Uh, I had never had an experience like that, and it was just a weird headspace for me and that was before I left Columbia I leave Columbia a uh, couple months later kind of in the fall both my grandmother and my grandfather on my father's side both passed away as well and it, it it's always weird with things on that side of the family because I'm not very close with my dad and his side of the family I don't see him a lot because he lives in Michigan and that's where his whole family mm-hmm. is so it's like we'd have to travel up there see them and leave I got to see my grandmother before she passed away. Um, that She passed away after my grandfather, um, and I didn't get to see my grandfather before he passed away. I hadn't seen him for years before that. And so there was just so many thoughts going through my head after each of these. And I was just, I was just, um, I don't know. I wasn't in like the headspace that I felt comfortable just dwelling and sitting in. And I was like, okay, I need a place that I can share this. And that's really when I started doing the podcast. Um, I, okay, this is gonna sound super stupid, but when I dropped out of, um, when I dropped out of college, and even while I was in college those first few years and didn't know what I wanted to do, I played video games on YouTube. Um, That was (laughs) a thing that I did. And you'll never find any of those videos. They're all off of YouTube now. Um, But that's what I thought I was going to do. I was like, I'm going to be, this is how I'm going to get famous. I'm going to be a YouTuber. I think that's what my son's planning to do. (laughs) There are so many kids that these days that it's a viable career now. And that's, it's weird. But um, (laughs) that's what I, I thought I wanted to do for a while. So I already had experience just talking to myself basically (laughs) and that's kind of what led me into the podcast is um i already had that experience so i basically just sat down i was playing uh a video game uh this deep like space exploration one called no man's sky i remember it vividly uh and i was just (laughs) flying through space just talking about existentialism and mortality and death and it was just it was really depressing those first um five or six episodes I believe it was six but the sixth one was about how I didn't want to do the podcast in that way anymore Uh, so five episodes and it it was just all about these depressing things I think the second one was about dieting and that was the most depressing one (laughs) but it, it just wasn't a happy place for me like while I was able to get those thoughts out it just wasn't the most positive experience and I was like okay there is still importance to the stories of 
knowing those people and life experiences and there's still importance to all these things how can i still use that in the new form of my podcast and i always wanted to be a late night talk show host i know i've already said i've always wanted to be things like so many times throughout this process i could say i always wanted to be a firefighter astronaut uh lawyer when i was a kid too that doesn't matter now what matters is i wanted to be a late night talk show host and i i thought okay i can interview people and that's really what went into just skimming the surface now um the first episode was just an introductory episode that i really want to take off because it's not good um (laughs) i i kind of want to like swap it out and be like here's a new one um but it just explained the podcast and then the second episode i was interviewing people from then on and we were talking about just their experiences what do they do and how is it conducive to their work and what they want to do and we talked about their personal life and other personal things that go into their career now how does that affect them and that's just really what just skimming the surface came about because while we can talk about these things we never delve too deep into them so that's why we're just skimming it um and that's kind of just where it's been since we've um we've done three live shows here at isu which was super cool i was um super nervous uh proposing the first one because i was like everyone's gonna think this is stupid no one cares about my podcast no one cares about it no one listens to it so you shouldn't do this but then i was like i want to do it though so i was just like hey so i have a podcast and i want to do a live show here and free stage was like okay what's your budget i said zero dollars they were like all right you're doing it i was like sweet and that's what happened and i invited um you john tovar who's another faculty here at isu i invited a couple student guests on that were leaders of rso organizations just people who could talk about isu their experience here and their experiences in those RSOs and how they've kind of affected them and their plans for career. And it was just a really fun time. I had uh, my friend Grant Brown was my co-host and that was it was just super fun to have a co-host and be able to banter mm-hmm. and also just have guests. It, like the live show experience is just so cool to me. And I, I got the idea for doing it by listening to another podcast. Um, Harmontown is uh, a podcast that Dan Harmon has and he's he's a TV writer and I, I like most of what he writes um, I think he's a really funny guy and so his podcast is live and I was like well, why can't I do that and so I did <laughs> and it was just it, it was I don't want to say life-changing but it was just really a good experience for me because it got me out of my comfort zone to be able to do what I would normally be done in an enclosed room. Like I recorded my first few episodes in the basement of my house where no one could see me and no one could hear me. And then I'd put them online for people to hear as if I actually wanted that to happen. Um, That this was just with a live audience and people reacting to what was happening on stage. There were different games that were being played, different things that were happening. People were laughing. They were sighing. They were saying, aw, like all the different things and it just really showed me that um just how much people do care about other people's experiences and how important Mm -hmm. it is for people to hear those and be able to reflect on them and learn about them and that's just skimming the surface Mm -hmm. so we did another live show um 
with a musical guest again. Um, my acapella group sang at the first one. Oh, Emily Frank sang at the second one. She's a acting student here who also does music. She's really good. Um, and then the third one, we had another musical guest. You were on again, and this one, this one was just like a send-off show mm-hmm. um, because I'll be leaving. Um, this is like one of my last weeks in at ISU, and um, seeing most of these people ever again. I know that sounds kind of sad, but I don't want to cry right now. <laughs> well, I, I, and you, you, you live streamed all yeah. the shows on on Facebook as well. Yes, um, and I, you. People may or may not be able to make out the images on the screen, um, but it. I joked last night with uh, with two of your colleagues, Cody and Madison. I was like, "It's like Weston's greatest hits are playing on the video screen up here," <laughs> and it was it was really fun to look back and, and see, like all that you've done here and and yeah, I mean, all your experiences yeah. and and the things <laughs> that have kind of shaped who you are now. Um, and I I enjoy your podcast. Um, Whereas mine is very niche and and very focused on theater educators and theater education, I love the broad scope of topics that you have on your show mm-hmm. um, and the different types of people. And that's that's a hard thing to do though, being mm-hmm. broad, because when you're broad, it's hard to find that audience. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find that niche audience like what you have. You have a lot of theater educators who listen to this. Like I, I listen to it all the time and I really enjoy the guests that come on. Um, but when you have a broad podcast, it's just like, kind of blends in all these other podcasts and everyone's like whoa well why should I listen to this I'm listening to these other things that basically do the same thing but it's it's really just trying to find what's unique about it Mm -hmm. and I think the live shows really help do that with the games that we played and the different guests that come on and the different bits we did I mean last night you and I and Ben my new co-host for this year we were sitting on a bench eating baby food we were (laughs) Yes, while we blindfolded <laughs> and we had to guess what what we were eating and it was just how can i make this more fun because that's something that i want to like yeah. do to the podcast it's kind of hard to do and it's just me and another person sitting in a room i got to think of like bits and games that we can add and um i i, I want to make my podcast more fun to listen to and i really think the live shows have helped me test the waters with that i mean kelsey came on we played true confessions which i don't know if anyone listening has heard about that but true confessions is like um two truths and a lie Mm -hmm. kind of but there's only one truth and one lie they're in envelopes you open it up uh whichever one the other two people pick and you read the story and they have to interrogate you and decide whether you're telling the truth or telling a lie so one story is the truth one's the lie all three we got last night were the truth (laughs) um yeah but it, it was like it was really fun like ben brought that one to me and i just didn't I didn't know how I felt about it because I was like, I can't think of any stories. Like, I could always talk to people about their stories, but I can't think of anything from my own life. I don't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. Wait, I didn't have breakfast yesterday. That's My mind just goes a million places once I start doing that, and I can't focus on one event. Um, but it was it ended up being a really fun game. And then we had John Tovar on he again, and he we fought. I, I told everyone we were going to be fighting. I said, I'm going to fight John Tovar on the live show. And for those who don't know, John Tovar is uh, one of our acting faculty, acting directing faculty. Yes. Who is, I, I get to say it, and he will probably correct me later on <laughs> if he listens to this, but he is a world-renowned fight choreographer. He is. Like, he is one of like the top five in the world he is, with his certification a, and mm-hmm. credentials. 
He's um, an award-winning fight choreographer. So we were all looking forward to John throwing you around the stage. <laughs> um, but you, you, you had a really nice play on that, so tell yeah. us about that. Uh, Ryan, our stage crew member, was standing at the back while we both like kind of stood there. A little bit of trash talk, a little bit of just standing there in stances ready to fight. John totally looked like he knew what he was doing. He was calm, relaxed, and, he, and you saw me looking like a goofball because <laughs> I had no idea how to fight. Do not know. And um, we're like, all right, Ben's giving us the pep talk. He's got the towels around us. He sprays a bunch of water in my face. And we we're walking up to each other to fight, and Ryan throws open the curtains, and there's a TV behind it with a Wii connected to it, and we just played Wii Boxing. Yes. And that was, that was the idea from the get-go, uh, was to just do a game. Um, it was originally going to be Super Smash Bros., but that would have taken too long to teach John how to do. Um, <laughs> you got a TKO, like... No yeah. time flat. I John know. was on the floor on that TV we screen. We both knocked each other out at the same time. But you got up. <laughs> My character got up and his stayed down and I won. And it <laughs> it just happened. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. And everyone was cheering and it was just a fun experience. And then John shaved my head live on stage because we met the goals of the Hatch Project mm-hmm. here, uh, trying to build funds for our armory and our stage combat curriculum which is fantastic that's mm-hmm. super exciting to me maybe i'll come back for grad school and, oh goodness uh, we gotta get you graduated first i keep <laughs> west likes to tease me all the time saying he's gonna stick around um and and do an extra show or or take an extra class with me I'm, like, him I'm, no. gonna, I'm gonna fail something this semester so i have to say next semester and be in guys and dolls nope but i've missed auditions now so yep. it's too late yeah, I'm just telling him he has to get out. I, he can come back from grad school, but he has to get out now. Go get your degree. Go go graduate. So so. Um, in the scope of things, just skimming the surface is just another one of those things that I can do on the side that I enjoy. I don't care if one person listens to it or a million people listen to mm-hmm. it. It's something that I have fun doing and that I'm able to learn more about other people as I interview them. And it's just super cool. Well, and I, I, I agree with you because that, that, that's – what I'm doing here with Fed Talks, I, I, every person I talk to, I'm learning something new from. Um, I'm learning a new trick, or I'm learn. I have a new piece of wisdom that reframes how I look at things. Um, and I think it goes along with what Kelsey shared last night in your your last live show of being constantly learning and being a lifelong learner. And the moment you feel you've learned everything and there's nothing else to learn, you probably need to get out because yeah. you're you're done. Um, and I. I'd, I'd like to know from you what what have you because you've had a really busy semester yeah. this semester <laughs> um, you you TA'd my freshman class you you directed um, you, you've been involved in all sorts of things you've had two live shows um, what what have you learned that you're taking away with you and um, what questions do you still have? Uh, some of the biggest things I've learned is um, to sometimes it's important to let go of control, um, especially when you're working with other people who know what they're doing. Um, you really have to accept the fact that they're there and they know what they're doing. And you have to be able to say, okay, I'm okay with them leading this thing. And I'm okay with sitting here and watching them do that. Um, and that that's just a lot of what the rehearsal process has been for um, – the 385 show lovesick at uhi uh it was just like okay we've got to sit back and we've got to let 
people who know what they're doing do it. And it's not to say that we don't know what we're doing too, but it's like this is an educational theater experience and it's important that everyone else gets their chance to lead and also learn. Mm-hmm. And you can't be learning if you're constantly there in the spotlight leading everyone. It's, it's just not going to work too well. There are so many leaders, especially ones of this country, that still can learn. And they, they can't if they continue to just stand on that podium and not listen to what's happening around them. It, it's not going to fix anything. It's not going to help anything. There's so much more to the process and to life that you need to get out and do and see and try I've taken so many classes outside of my major because it's just like I, I've wanted to try things and I've, I've had I have so many things that I'm interested in um, from playing video games and pl- experiencing new stories in that there's just there's so much there uh, and then experiencing new stories on the stage it, it when you look at it it's the same thing it's you're looking at someone's work and you're learning from it and you're learning these stories and these experiences it's a whole new experience there's there's so much to everything that you do and it's important to just be able to find those learning points of every single thing everything's important even when you fail if you like this is a dumb example but i i bake these cookies all the time they're vegan chocolate chip cookies that i found a recipe for that i love i love these cookies and the last three times i made them i failed like I, I put them in and they come out they nothing like what they originally come <laughs> out as and I don't know what I'm doing wrong but I learned from that I'm like okay next time I have to pay more attention to the process and I can reflect and learn from this and take something away and say hey maybe I used too much banana in that batch maybe there was too much flour and it, it's really just trial and error and figuring out what went wrong and how can I improve it um, I forgot the question <laughs> did i answer it <laughs> You're, the, the biggest thing you've learned this semester and in what questions you still have uh, i think it's it's also very important to be able to say no um mm. i was asked to direct another play by someone in in the department who writes and i just had to tell him no because i wasn't going to be able to take that on my plate especially with already directing at the high school so i know this is something that people will tell you all your life, but it's okay to say no. And it's okay to be able to um, take a break when you need it. it don't, don't take on too much more than you can handle. Like I'm still kind of in that boat. I have so much still going on and I'm, there's only two weeks left of the semester. And I'm just like, what do I have to do? And as things end, I'm just like, I feel like I should be doing something, but there's nothing. And you have to be able to just sit back and take that time to be like, okay, it's done. And I can relax. And you have to be able to relax, which I'm still learning how to do. Um, it's, it's just as teachers and as theater teachers, we are probably some of the busiest people in the high school because of how much we do and how important we are to the department um we're just there all the time you're going to be teaching all day you're going to be directing at night whether it's at the school or at the community theater or whatever you're going to be doing things all day long and you just got to be able to find that time to say okay i don't have anything going on friday at 3 p.m 
and I need to take that time to just sit down, listen to some music, and relax. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's a lot of what I've heard from uh, the guests that you've had is just how they deal with burnout and how they they never really took the time to relax and how that's affected them. Mm-hmm. And Well, I think it goes to last night, your, your folks before me on the live show, the advice they gave was to say yes to everything. Um, yeah. And I... I didn't get asked that question, and that's okay. Uh, but my response would have been say yes to everything, but it's okay to say no. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, no, and knowing no. your boundaries, yeah. Because, yes, it's important to take chances. I think that's really what they were going for there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. You can take chances but still say no to other things. Mm-hmm. That's okay. It is okay to say yes, and it's okay to say no. You have options. Now it's not okay to say maybe because you'll you'll leave them in limbo. <laughs> that's that's not nice. <laughs> but it's okay to be a maybe for a little bit and then change to a yes or a no, but not too long. <laughs> um, but questions that I have, so many. Um, but like, the thing with all those questions is, it's just like. I won't know until I'm there in the space and until I'm there teaching, until I'm in front of the classroom, until I'm 30 years in. There's so many things that I just can't wait to experience and the questions will arise then and I know it. As of right now, questions that I have, um, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I am well. That's good. I'm tired, but I'm well. I think we're all at the point we need our break. <laughs> we need a we need a little break. It's like you'd think that I'd be good at having questions, considering I do have an interview based podcast, and I just come up with those questions on the fly. But when it comes to questions about myself and experiences that I'm gonna have, that's where my mind draws a blank because it's just like I I've always been a hands on learner. And I've always been like, I need to do this to really know and understand it. And I need to be able to experience it so that I can learn from it. And that someone just giving me an answer isn't going to tell me anything. Um, It'll help me like think about things before I do things. But it's not going to tell me what it's actually like to be in that situation and do that thing. I think when it comes to education, just questions that I have will be answered as I enter the classroom and as I'm running it. And if they arise and I don't have the answers, that's when I reach out. And I, I think I think I do a good job of reaching out when I actually have questions. I know it seems like I rarely have questions. I've written questions in my journal maybe once or twice. Um, and that's about it. And have I gotten answers to those questions? Usually. Um, but sometimes they're not the answers that I would think they would be and it's just taking what you're given and just being ready to just experience it and be in the moment be ready for questions be be ready to ask them and I I know it frustrates you all at points uh, but (laughs) I'm glad to hear your answer to that that you, you know there are things that I can't answer yeah. Um, and I, because I don't know your students in the future. I don't know uh, your classroom dynamics um, because the answers are all dependent on those many a time. And uh, I, it frustrates me that the best answer I can give you sometimes is I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 
that is the best answer I can give you. And um, I, I'm, I'm glad to see that you're seeing that and, and even appreciating that a little bit, it sounds like. so. I do. I do appreciate it because I don't – I think it's harder to be someone who has all the answers because that's not possible. So if you're someone who just always has to give an answer when someone asks a question and you're not able to say, I don't know, that's a problem. Um because you don't know everything. No one knows everything. Right. You may have experience in things that you can offer to help people reflect and be like, okay, I'll think about that when I'm doing the thing and we'll see <laughs> how it goes. I think that's that's where I learn most um, from my podcast, from the classes, from everything, is when I hear other people's experiences and things that they've done and things that went well for them, things that didn't go well for them, and how they reflected on it and how they handled it. Because then I think about, well, what experiences have I had that haven't gone well, that have gone well, and how can I reflect on it? And that's that's really, I just think experience is the, the thing that people need. You need to have that experience, and if questions arise, ask them. And I think that is part of what makes our job so exciting is that I, I can literally say there was never a day in my teaching career that I was bored and complacent with my job. I may have been bored with how I was teaching certain things and switch, switching that up because I was, had the freedom and the autonomy to do that, but yeah. no day was like any other day. Every yeah. day was different. Every group of kids was different. Every group of kids was different every single day. Um, and, and their experiences are different and what they bring each day when they walk in the room is different. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's exciting and what I loved about and what I still love about what I'm doing. Um, yeah. I may not be with high schoolers now or middle schoolers, but every every class I have with you all, you have a different energy, you have a different experience, you have new questions and you have some days you don't want to be there and you have some days you are, you do. And there's some days you just don't come to class and <laughs> I'm missing that voice. So I, I think that's what I love about teaching. That's what I love about what we do. And um, I think it's one of the joys of what we get to do. The controlled chaos and just the ever changing atmosphere of the theater realm and of the theater classroom is just something that I'm really looking forward to. It's I I've never been the kind of person who wants every day to just go the same. I know some people need that for stability, but that's not me. And that's why I when I came here and started theater ed that going into it and hearing these experiences, these stories from you, from other students, uh reading all these books, learning how to do the, the classroom thing um, just learning through all that it, it's just helped me realize that yeah this is this is definitely something that works for me because it's ever changing and I I can learn every single day I'll never stop learning and I, I just can't wait to to be in that state every day and that calls back to kind of your experience with with Godspell and what you learned with that that you can provide that structure that frame for your controlled chaos and get to play every day within that frame. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just to be able to explore every chance you get and 
every single day with new circumstances, no single millisecond of your life will be the same as another one. It's always changing. And I just, I love that. I want to be able to experience those new things. And I want to be able to reflect on that and be like, okay, what can I learn from that? It, it's just where I want to be. Well, Wes, we are nearing the end of our time together, but I do have my two questions that I ask everyone. Um, I hope you've prepared. Um, what is a resource that you have used or used that we need to know about? A resource? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. I am so bad with resources, and you know this. Um, I think there there are so many... Okay, in my teach classes here at ISU, there are so many resources that I'm given that I'll be like, I never want to use this again. I hate it. But then there are other ones that I'm like, okay, I could see where this could be used in the classroom. And it's 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 been far and few between that those moments have happened, but th- there are a few times that I have uh, bookmarked different web pages that we've explored in my teach classes. Um, one of them is uh, TES Teach or Blend Space. It's like an online um, lesson planning sort of thing. And you're able to put your resources right there into that lesson plan. And it, I feel like it just makes the classroom more cohesive, that you're able to just flow better between each of those things. Because as you pull up that web page, it's got everything you need for that lesson right there. And you can just click, 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 boom, we're getting everything done. Hmm. And I, I, think, I think that's really helpful because when it comes to lesson planning, um, I know we only do it for like the first year or two. <laughs> and I know that we plan all four years of college doing it. Um, but once you start teaching, as I've heard, I don't know this from experience yet, but it, it just becomes just knowing what you want to do and figuring out how you're going to get there. And so I think Blend Space or TES Teach is one of the best ways to just have all your resources there and be like, okay, I at least have that set in stone and how we get there, we'll see. And it's it's really hard to use technology in the theater classroom, I know. Well, not really hard, but I know it's it's becoming a new thing um, to be doing, but I feel like that's something that can be conducive to students because you can also send that link to them later so that they can review that and look at that later um so i will have to say tes teach blend space i've said it three times now so you know what it is (laughs) and that link will be on your page when this episode goes live um and i my final question is what are your words of wisdom um for for new teachers teachers theater ed students um and i I want to re- kind of reframe that question a little bit because I've had um, I had Jack Colombo on yes um, in season one and I've had Kelly and Emma mm-hmm. um, throughout this season um, and the feedback I get from people who like hearing from my students is it's a fresh perspective and it reminds me why I do what I do yeah so those experienced teachers love to hear what you have to say so what are your words of wisdom oh great now the pressure's on (laughs) um so i think this kind of goes into what i was saying earlier but um don't take anything at face value i think is the most important thing um 
there's so much that you can take out of every little experience you have. Like I was saying earlier, whether it's a play or it's a video game, there's so much you can learn from that video game experience because there's so much art to it. There's a story, there are characters, there's character development. There are different strategies and skills that you need to complete different tasks in those. So you'll have students from all walks of life who are interested in all sorts of things. And you may not understand those things, mm -hmm. but it's important for you as an educator to respect those things and maybe try to better understand those things. I'll say it right now, I still watch cartoons because as someone who wants to be a voice actor, that's something that I really enjoy doing is hearing people do different voices to a cartoon. I think that's really cool. And sure, I could say it's just because my little brothers watch cartoons, but I like watching them too. I'll go home and watch DuckTales. I don't care because there's so much story and uh, writing and uh, acting that you can learn from that. And I think that's very important in a theater classroom because you'll have those students who like to read a lot. So how can you engage those students through the theater classroom? What can you give them that is reading give them scripts mm -hmm. they can read scripts they like reading so give them some really compelling scripts that have a good story that they like to read or any other sort of story media if you like students who like to write you can give them all sorts of different writing materials whether it's through uh, video games through um, learning how to um, create different sort of scripts playwriting things screenwriting I have a couple books for screenwriting that I bought just because I wanted to learn how to do it um, if you have students who want to learn improv, Dungeons and Dragons is a perfect way to learn that kind of stuff. I know that it might be a little mature at times, but there are plenty of ways that I feel like Dungeons and Dragons can be used in the classroom. I know that sounds weird, but it's a great improv skill to be able to, and teamworking too, to go in with this team of people who get to, they get to create their own character. So there's character creation and writing through that. And then you're able to improv the scenes, you're role-playing, you're creating your own character, you're embodying that character. There's so much to every single thing you do. Whatever you're interested in, you can take those skills and transfer them into other things. There are so many links. There's a red thread for everything. And I think that's important as theater educators for us to identify and encourage uh, students to try new things and to find ways that the things they are interested in can be adapted to or applied to theater. All right. Well, Wes, I always enjoy talking with you um, in our weekly meetings and just any other time, but um, uh, thank you for joining me. And now our conversations are immortalized forever out there in the world. Um, but uh, I just want you to know that I'm proud of you. And I am very excited to see um, how your student teaching goes and um, if I haven't told you before, I will tell you now for the world to hear that um, your future students are very lucky to have you. You make me cry on the podcast again. <laughs> Thanks for letting me come on and ramble. I hope that people who listen can take something away from that. <laughs>
thank you, Wes, for joining me on the podcast. I always enjoy talking with you, and I appreciate hearing your story and, and kind of everything you've learned um, throughout the program and just ha- as you've grown and, and matured into a very fine young educator. Uh, I'm excited to see what you are going to be doing in the coming months at your student teaching placement. And then, of course, when you will hopefully have a job come the fall and are and have your own classroom. So all the best to you. Thank you for chatting with me. And thank you for listening this week. It is really close to the winter break. And I know all of you are itching to get to that final day where you get to go home and you've got your goodies and, and gift cards and cards from all your students and the treats that the parents have sent your way. And, uh, just go home and relax for a couple of weeks. So I hope you plan on doing that for sure. Um, I hope you have a very safe holiday season and that uh, you enjoy your time with family and friends and you get some rest. If you want to check out our past episodes, if you are behind a little bit and want to catch up, um, you can always find our past episodes, our show archives on the website, www.fedtalks.com. And uh, you can find all my past interviews and each teacher has their own uh, page where you can find their resources, see a picture of them and uh, get the transcript of the episode. Also, there have been some updates to a few of them with uh, some video features. uh, So you might want to check those out. Be sure that if you enjoy the podcast that you go on your favorite podcast provider, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, AnyPod, and Tune In, and you can find the show right there. Just type in Thed Talks. Go ahead and subscribe to us. Rate the show for us. Give us some stars on your on your uh, podcast provider and review us. Leave us some notes and, and comments about what you like about the show. More importantly, share the podcast with those theater teachers and theater educators in your life who you think can benefit from what I'm doing here on the program. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please interact with me on uh, the social media we have out there. I'm always posting things, and I love interacting with you on there. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Theater Ed Talks, Tumblr, thedtalks.tumblr.com, Facebook at the Thed Talks Group, Instagram at Thed Talks Podcast, and of course our website, www.thedtalks.com. You can always email me at thedtalkspodcast at gmail.com and uh, Give me some pointers. Let me know what you're liking about the show. Give me some suggestions to make things better. Some guest suggestions that you'd like to hear me talk to on the show, as well as topics you'd like to hear. So if you'd like to be a guest, also let me know that. I'm looking for, for some people for the um, for the 2020 uh, half of the, to- of the academic year. So I'd love to talk with you and uh, tell your stories. Thank you, Joel Hamlin and Joshua Schusterman, for the use of your original music, Magnetize and Flip the Record. I appreciate you guys. Hope you are doing well. And thank you for listening. Teachers, take care of yourselves. Hold on, you're almost there, and uh, I appreciate all you're doing. Thanks for listening this week. Take care of yourselves.